0: Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, A Look Back at Pop's Past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast, as always, is provided to you by the artist Friend of Yours. This is a podcast where we will dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song We Belong Together by Mariah Carey Pop? This is episode 19 of our show, and today, guys, we are breaking down a very great song by an artist who's been around, around for a long time, longer than we've actually been born, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about um, with everything. But um, how's your guys' weeks been? It's been good. It's been good. Um, I'm now seeing, like, Halloween
1: decorations, like, online and in the store, and I hate to break it to the world, but we ain't trick-or-treating, like... Like, you're not going door to door. (laughs) No. And yeah, we're getting advertisements for that in August. Come on, it's not happening.
2: I mean, I respect the hope, I guess. That would be a good way to put it, but it's not. Yeah, I'm all for the
1: fall pumpkin spice latte, sweater weather, crunchy time. Like, that's all good.
2: We can let that die, too. Oh? I I think that can die, too.
0: You know, all right. Fall is canceled. Uh, fall so, well, is canceled. just the fall. Just, just the pumpkin spice. We okay. had enough pumpkins. Everything else might be canceled too. Football. Everything else. Everything. everything yeah. College football. Another fall tradition. Gone. Yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen with yeah, all that. If I
2: if I can't have Austin City Limits, y'all can't have any sports.
0: Okay. Well thank you for that i guess cheers with everything uh so Stefan is getting fall uh type of stuff chris doesn't want pumpkin spice lattes to happen i'm just over here uh watching the cubs uh basically uh every single day so that's been the best part about everything uh going on uh what have we been listening to lately guys i know chris had a live set that he listened to the other night who was that that you listened to
2: i trying to remember which which one you're referring to. Oh, it was Caitlin Aurelia-Smith. You're right. Gotcha. The um, reason I was confused is there was also a closey one yesterday, and I was like, I don't know that I told you guys about that because I fell asleep 10 minutes after watching it and woke up with my uh, YouTube on. But, yes, I did, I did see Caitlin Aurelia-Smith. That one was awesome. Um, I really like the fact that pay-per-view um, live streams are starting to become a thing. Um,
0: Where did she do the well, set at? Was she like in her home or studio or yeah. whatnot?
2: Yeah. So she's just in her studio um, and it was her and then a collaborator from her label um, doing visuals. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was awesome. It just like goes back and forth between all these like geometric shapes and whatnot and then like a shot of her with her like 20 cents.
0: All right, um, and Chris, for real quick too, for those who, people out there who don't know who Caitlin Aurelia Smith is, uh, what kind of music does she do, and all that type of stuff too, because some of our listeners yeah. might not know.
2: Yeah, so she's, um, so she's ambient. Um, she's kind of electronic ambient. She does a lot of work with modular synthesis, and particularly a lot of work with. Um, of stuff that doesn't necessarily stick to a time signature, maybe it'll do one for a little bit and then kind of wander off. Her big inspiration is trying to find, um, you know, synth sounds that sound organic. Um, she was previously a classically trained musician, um, and kind of brings in an orchestral feeling to her music. Um, she's actually signed to Ghostly, which are known for, they're known for their electronic roster. Um, she's definitely had kind of more of an acceptance in the broader electronic scene um, than a lot of ambient artists. I don't want to paint that broad of a brush, but um, if, you know, if this means anything to y'all, she was about to tour with Caribou uh, before the world um, shut down. I had tickets. Womp womp. Um, and yeah, I she is definitely one of the favorite artists of mine um, that has been um you know i, I don't want to say coming up cuz she's been making great music for like 5 6 years now that i know of and uh but she's she's been consistently great she had an album that came out earlier this year um and yeah i yeah really enjoy her
0: awesome yeah the we should be maybe pay more attention i guess to like pay-per-view uh sets and things like that we've had pay-per-view for you know, sports for so long that I think it's kind of crazy that only now we've had like a pay-per-view option. I know you can go see, you know, concerts and everything, but you can go see sporting events too. So whether it be a big fight or, you know, anything like that. So I think that's kind of cool to be able to help the artists out, but also help you to see. And I mean, if you have a good enough setup and stuff like that, even just to listen, it, it could be pretty close maybe to actually being there. So during this time, it's really cool. Um, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of EDM actually lately. I know it's kind of weird. Um, I was thinking about Lollapalooza recently for whatever reason. So, um, I actually listened uh, just on the walk tonight, um, with my dog. I was like, let's relive some stuff. So I threw on some Avicii. Actually, some old Avicii. I saw him in 2012 at Lollapalooza. Um, we love Avicii. Then, yeah. I was throwing on even, you know, just like Fade in the Darkness, uh, Seek Bromance, all those uh, old ones. Even those are very good ones. Tim Berg stuff. Um, I threw on some, um, it's going to sound really weird, but Swedish House Mafia doesn't exist anymore, of course. Um, I was feeling, you know, like I was 18 again, uh, listening to some of those. And then I threw on some Skrillex too, um, some old stuff, but also Recess. Uh, I forgot that Recess is... One of his maybe more different albums actually that he he did up to that point before he did Jack U or anything. Um, too, and just from going to the song Recess to, you know, when he does the song Chance the Rapper, and then even goes back to just Coast is
2: Clear is such a good song.
0: Yes. And he goes back to, um, in the song "Fuck That," where it's more of his like dog blood style and just like things like that, it's a crazy record to kind of think about. So I was listening to that type of stuff um lately. And then uh, we were just on the live stream before this or before we were recording, and Chris uh was doing some DJ set stuff, and I told him to play Stereo Love, <laughs> uh, which is now turning into a TikTok meme. And you forget that Stereo Love was it is just an incredible song uh too, and was very different than what was we listened to a lot at the time. That came out what when we were juniors in high school yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, sophomore some year. Somewhere when, there.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's why you want me to play it.
0: Well, TikTok I theme. Well, I heard it and then I said this would be great in the DJ set and then Chris did it before it came on. So that was that was really awesome too. So one of the it most it does
1: European work. sounding like EDM songs that actually got popular. It's just very foreign sounding. Yes, and I yeah. think that
0: I when I think of that song, I literally think like I need to be in a club overseas just like about four four or five drinks in and then I'm just going to be like vibing and and singing along to the accordion part um, that goes along with that (laughs) and everything. Uh, Stefan, what have you been listening to of anything new or old? Oh, I actually haven't heard this song, but I wanted to ask both of you
1: if you had heard it. Have you listened to the new Drake song, Laugh Now, Cry Later? What were your thoughts? I I haven't heard it. I've seen a lot of promotions, but I actually haven't gone around to it.
0: I will say, I actually this. liked it. Okay, you do like it, Chris.
2: I did. Yeah, I. I don't think it's his best by any means, but I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know anything about Little Dirk. I will say, and I don't think he really. Other than added that or meme where it.
1: he's with, uh, yeah. You know, other than they're <laughs> pointing dark. at a computer screen. Yes,
2: but um, but I don't, I don't think he necessarily added or detracted. I thought the song was catchy enough. Um, I mean. I don't know, it's kinda it's kinda standard Drake,
1: not like standard of, post if you're reading this, it's too late, Drake, because that was standard, yeah, standard nowadays. Yeah, Drake. then that's kind of a red flag for me, I'll be honest. Uh yeah, I, yeah, Anthony and I had a discussion like what has Drake innovated his last few albums? I, I, I wouldn't say he has. Like he's just made popular Innovated hits. is not um
0: the but right word. anyway, uh Stefan, what else have you been listening to then, if anything?
1: Uh not a ton came out uh this past week. I did listen to the new Miley Cyrus song, which was a concerning trend for me. Um, I'm trying to look up the name of it as we speak because it was that (laughs) unforgettable. It's basically biting like the 80s sound. Um, The Weekend did that very tastefully with After after Hours, but overall I'm finding that trend to be very boring where a pop star kind of makes a turn into the 80s vibe. It's been done before for the rest of the decade. And we're now going into the 2020s. I think we've ridden the 80s into the ground. Let Stranger Things, that season, you know, die. And then can we be done with the 80s? I, it's, it's an okay decade for me. It's, it's one of the... If you look at the last 50 decades, I'm sorry, the 80s, maybe the 70s are my least favorite. I'll, I'll be real. Anyway, I'm going to look up the name of the song so I don't... Um...
2: I mean, didn't she herself already do the 80s like didn't younger now happen yeah like, she did two years it, ago
1: um so maybe she's just going and that didn't do that well for her didn't so i'm really surprised v- she's going back to that well it'll
0: probably get radio plays though because like <laughs> no, the weekend did and everything too i don't know i i can Will see it? like the label being like this is what's hot but do you guys think that like in a in a couple years that yeah, i guess people are gonna start like going to like early 90s stuff like with pop and stuff yes. like that
2: I yes. thought it. I thought I think it's already happening. Juice World stuff yep. is 90s that's as the held. cycle.
1: The cycle is yeah. basically twenty years, but then account for the people growing up. So we're about to get a lot of 2000s nostalgia. Hopefully, this um, podcast pops oh. off um, be- because we're oh, yeah, get sure. into that. But the name <laughs> of the song. I'm sorry to bury the lead here. It's called Midnight Sky, and it was the single released on August 14th. So you're probably listening to this a week later. I mean, that boring. just sounds I mean, boring. I, and like I said, The weekend did it tastefully. This is just an 80s ballad with some, like, uh, glam guitar that we've all heard before. And Miley Cyrus, you know, she has good vocals, and yeah. she's delivering it like she's a glam rocker. It's, it's been done. Okay. I'm sorry, I have hot takes okay. coming out. Um uh The box.
2: Hot, hot takes. Fuck the 80s. That's hot the hot take. <laughs> but we're
1: about to go to Mariah Carey, who's the 90s. and the 80s. So it's good. We're leaving yes. that decade.
0: That's yes. true. Indeed. So yeah, that if you guys true. like anything that we've talked about, uh, listen to it. Um, if you think that, you know, we're wrong, well, fuck us then, right? So I don't care. You guys can listen to whatever you want um, and everything. Let <laughs> us know if you do like the songs that we haven't liked or anything like that, too. We'd love to hear your guys' opinions. But... Let's break down this song that we have going on today. As you guys all know by now, we can't play the song. It sucks, but we can't play it. We get some good notes from Chris coming up uh that remind you of the song too, but we want you to support the artist and go, you know, get a mem er- a feeling for the song and remember it as well um it's pretty unforgettable song in my opinion uh whether you like it or not so should be familiar with it but go listen to it again then afterwards we'll break down memories history production and of course the lyrics also have some swish ups again this week guys so uh stay tuned for that uh with people doing different parts but listen to some notes that remind you of we belong together and we'll see you on the other side Now that we are back, let's break down some of our memories with the song. Uh, Chris, you actually had some stuff off air uh, that you were saying about Mariah Carey in general, uh, having amazing songs and everything. So I'm going to throw it to you first, actually, with this song.
2: Yeah, no, I um, so I I think one thing that I realized this past week. So let me preface by saying I love Mariah Carey. Um, I will I have to be honest and say that I, I think uh just looking up her catalog in preparation for this episode made me realize how much of her work i had not even scratched the surface of that is also really good she has an extensive career i mean basically the entire 90s um i think vision of love was 1990 um she literally just did not miss um i up, up until, you know, and into the 2000s, obviously, we're talking about We Belong Together. Um, she continued to not miss after one misstep at the beginning, which Anthony will talk about. Um, and into the 2010s, um, didn't quite have the same heights. But in terms of quality on her albums, I think it could be argued, I will definitely uh, vouch for GTFO and The Distance off her most recent, that she... Continued to not miss for the most part. Um, Thirty years into an insanely successful career, she got the first ever four consecutive decades um, of number one hits of any artist. Because all I want for Christmas is you was the first number one of the 2010s, which is awesome. Because <laughs> I remember when that was happening, I was like, you know, after first before of all, the 2020s. Year before, you mean. Well, that's what I mean. So, it was the first of the 2020s. Um, It was the last of the 2010s. That's it, okay. Yeah, my bad, I misspoke. No, you're Um, good. What what was awesome is, like, the year before, you know, when Lil Nas X kind of of broke her record that um, the longest uh, longest tenure at number one, um, when Lil Nas X broke that and got to 19 weeks, she congratulated him. And at the end of the of the year, it was almost her way of being like, well, yeah, you can have that record because I'm still Mariah. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's just like a queen with longevity. Her yeah. she even even when she's not like a mainstay these days, you know, we all know Mariah Carey.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, Stefan, what do you remember with, I guess, Mariah Carey in general in this song, then? This song in particular,
1: I think, introduced her to a new generation. Honestly, probably the millennial generation. Um, we were kind of young at this point. Like People listening to her in the 90s were probably more geared toward Gen X. Um, like My mom would listen to her. She only listened to soft rock pop, so like I listened to Mariah Carey. But this song is a little different, right? And you'll get into how maybe her sound changed. But um, it kind of took some styles that were prevalent in the 2000s and put a modern stamp on Mariah and said she's going to be here for the next decade. She was already here a decade before. So like Chris said, Queen of Longevity, yes, that's Mariah. I think it's unfortunate she doesn't really have like a a Queen of Pop or Princess of Pop moniker, kind of like um, a Britney Spears and Madonna. I think she deserves it. Maybe she does, and I'm unaware, but to my extent. I mean, honest.
2: honestly, I would I would make an argument for her as Queen over Madonna. No shade to Madonna. That's a bold I, but
0: honestly arguable would be take. My, uh, you yeah. you could make a, a case for that. That
1: would be my claim.
0: Stephen, you said that this is uh not your favorite car Carrie song, though, correct? No,
1: I'll I'll be honest. Uh yeah, it's really popular. Um I think it's fine. I think it's kind of generic. Eh you can skewer me for that. I just think that maybe I'm not a production expert. Maybe Chris can get into it. Nothing really screams out to me. I'll get into it with the lyrics. It's fine. I think what makes it is like her vocal delivery and the fact it's a very applicable song to a break. It's a breakup song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through. So, and And people need those. Yeah, but there's, we'll maybe we'll do a top five segment. Maybe we'll, we'll see how time allows, but I think there's a lot of Mariah Carey songs that are really good. Um, and more unique
0: all right that's a good call i actually you know what things um that's fair yeah i would say with my um memories and just thoughts of the song in general um this is one that when it, it came on on like my it's not for you it's on spotify i just switched back over to spotify so like their like daily playlists that they give you and since i've been listening to a ton of like two thousand songs this like came up and it was one of those that i was just like oh this is like so smooth and like so relatable and it was just one of those that was like i was like we have to do this honestly in the way even over just some of her other songs like shake it off or some of the other well that was on the same album and i was like this seems like the one like to do for mariah carey song um and i think that's telling too and that could be you know when we were born or what we were were doing you know at the time but it was one of those i'm like this just kind of screams that we have to do this. And then with doing research and everything, I'm like, it makes sense that we picked this song, uh, and just everything else too. But, um, I think it's a great song. Uh, not the best song we've done. Um, by far, but a great song that deserves to be broken down. So I'm glad that we are breaking it down um, with this, too. But let's get into it. Um, I will be doing the history and culture portion uh, this time. Uh, It was really fun looking up stuff about Mariah Carey, who has spanned so long over it um, and over the years. So I'm going to... It's a long career, um, but I will do my best to Sparks note it um, until we get up to where We Belong Together was. But there is a lot to break down with everything, too. So I will actually dive right into it. So she is born Mariah Carey. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. First of all, we don't get a it's lot of a stage name? Nope, it's not. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I thought that, you know, we get a lot of stage names in general, but she was born Mariah Carey. Now, the thing that I found was interesting was that on her Wikipedia page... It said she was born either March twenty seventh, nineteen sixty nine or nineteen seventy. So wait, wait, wait. There's an age.
1: This is funny because sometimes like baseball players will lie about their age. Yes, you know, like uh, Albert Pujols Mm -hmm. might be forty five, but yeah, that's funny. Miguel Tejada too. Yeah, like they actually found he was lying. Yes. Um, I'm not sure what a difference a year makes for a pop star. Um, but other than cred.
0: Yes, like, that's interesting. I don't know. So I looked it up kind of I was like, that's pretty weird, right? So there was like, I guess a dispute with like when her birthday was a birth certificate ended up coming out that said 1970 is from what I read. Um, but it was weird. And there was actually an article about it when I think she turned like 48. They're like, is she 48 or 49? <laughs> and then I was like, okay, whatever. But yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting and strange. That she had two birthdays <laughs> listed on there. They didn't know the year. Um, but like we said, a year doesn't really make a lot of difference. Uh, well, if she was
1: younger, don't you think she would have said, actually, I'm the one year younger? Like Maybe. She would, I, I think she, I'm going to go with the older date.
0: I think so, too. But something. um thought that was strange just off the bat. So, born Mariah Carey, we're going to say... March 27, 1970, she was born, just to call it fair um, on that. So she has a lot of music in her family um, and in her life. Her mom actually was a former opera singer and vocal coach, uh, and I'll get to kind of that in a second as well. Uh, Yeah, she sang a lot of it. She actually didn't push that on Mariah Carey at all. But Mariah Carey, as we saw with other artists um, that we've covered, um, wants to do that type of stuff. It's in her family. She knows it. So in elementary school and high school, she keeps working with arts in general writes poetry and lyrics along the way while she's through here. Then once high school is done, she actually begins to train with her mom doing vocal training. Um, found this very interesting. I think we see with a lot of like pop stars that they don't make it through. Like Ever Levine didn't make it through high school, right? Or they like kind of half-assed it or anything. She actually finished first and then decided to go along with it too. So um, she begins training with her mom, which is very, you know, cool because she has this, you know, background, but like her mom didn't make her do this type of opera singer or anything. She kind of just said, we're going to train your voice in general. Um, so she works on some demo tapes and moves to Manhattan actually. So she was born in New York, but she moves to Manhattan and she lands some backup gigs singing for a musician named Brenda K star. Um, and it was a Puerto Rican freestyler. Actually, Brenda was, um, didn't know a lot about her, but she's in doing backup vocals. So, then it's December of 1988, and Mariah Carey goes with Star to a CBS executives gala, um, and she hands her demo tape to a man of the name of Tommy Matola. Mod- sorry, and more on that later, actually, uh, will come up. But after listening to the tape during the ride home, he immediately says, driver, you have to turn around right now because I need to go find this girl and give her, you know, basically a a offer. Um, It was said that Mariah Carey actually had left the event and that it had been described as a modern day Cinderella story. So he spent the next two weeks searching for her. Remember, this is 1988. It's a lot harder to find people. Um, You can't just, you know, get on social media. Can't, you know, really text people or anything like that and be like, "Hey, can't slide into the DMs." No. So you're like, "Well, what am I gonna do?" So another record label along the way, he ends up finding her, but another record label along the way expressed interest in Mariah Carey, and a bidding war ensued. Actually, so basically, Tommy. Tommy Mottola ends up, you know, getting her to sign. And long story short, she gets signed to Columbia Records. Pretty big, right? Nothing has Mm -hmm. gone on right now. Columbia Records at the time is a huge, huge label. And she's enlisted with the top producers right away. So she gets that right away just from a demo tape that's been handed to him. So Columbia marketed Mariah Carey as a is the main female artist on their roster, and she was competing with the likes of Whitney Houston, who was on a Arista at the time, and Madonna of Sire Records. So we just talked about Madonna a little bit earlier with, you know, pop star or pop queendom or anything that you want to say with it. So she's competing against those two, which at the time, pretty crazy, right? Uh, to think about that. Um, so Columbia spent upwards of a million dollars promoting the singer's debut studio album, that was self-titled so it was self-titled mariah carey i actually thought that that was pretty awesome um that they self-titled it because they said we're trying to get her out there and to be the face of things so we're just gonna smack dab put her first album as her self-titled now correct me if i'm wrong beyonce self-titled was her third or fourth solo album i think it's her third okay yeah it wasn't her first no it was not wait wait so I'm trying to think just in general of like pop stars in general or anything that do self-titled. To do it as your first album is pretty impressive, right? You guys can fact check me on which one yeah. it is if you want. But what the point I'm trying to get at is someone who big Beyonce. They didn't even put her as Beyonce oh, as her, her fifth or oh, fifth. OK,
2: Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was after four. Gotcha. I was like, wait yeah, a minute. So, three seems to It's a long
0: way after, actually. So that kind of makes sense. So. Things go pretty well for her self-titled album as it sells 15 million copies over the time. It's a lot. That's a big debut, that's not right? That's too shabby. So, yeah. that's her start, sells 15 million. So, her next record Emotions is recorded after this and it it does okay, but it's actually called safe by critics and it didn't really push the envelope at the time. So, Basically, it seems to me that Columbia is trying to just get her out there, do things that are safe and everything, too. Um, however, the album's lead single, Emotions, becomes Carrie's fifth chart topper on the Billboard Hot 100, and it would make her the first artist to have her first five singles reach the chart summit. Pretty awesome. Wow. Her album did not do as well, though, as her self-titled debut, but it still sold eight million copies, which is not too shabby. Now, one weird thing about this, though, she has two albums out and she actually had not gone on tour for either one of her albums. So they wanted her to do a world tour. um, And she said no, she refused to do it. And Stage Fright was credited for this. Um, You see some artists like Sia um, really comes to mind with like Stage Fright and I'm sure other people as well, too, that I can't think of. But there was speculation, actually, that she was, quote unquote, a studio worm and that she couldn't hit the notes that she was recording in the studio in person than she could at the shows. And I think we get that a lot with pop artists when we hear that.
1: Well, that's funny. And she's had like in the past few years, I think we might have mentioned this on a different episode, like a New Year's Eve performance, which just fell really flat. Yeah, it got botched, basically. Um, Yeah. And this is 20, 30 years after this first issue was reported. So it's, it's an existing issue.
0: Yeah. So I think we even broke this down with like the Britney show that there was, or that, or when we did the episode on her, that she would like lip sync, they said, because she couldn't hit the notes when she was dancing around or anything. Mariah Carey wasn't doing all that. Right. So she was, you know, like it wasn't that type of stuff or even with Madonna. So like there were speculations that she couldn't hit those notes and, she apparently has all this range and you hear it even in the song. Stefan will probably get to oh, that yeah. too, but oh, for sure. it was that she couldn't hit it when she was on stage, which night after night, maybe not, but she credited stage fright for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. still hasn't gone on tour. She sold over 20 million albums at this time too. Still no tour for her, no world tour or anything. So there's lots to break down here in general too, but I'm going to touch on some of the stuff before we belong together. So some of her like, three-year periods basically so from 1993 to 1996 she releases the music box merry christmas and daydream of course the most famous thing out of all of this will be all i want for christmas is you everyone knows it it's it's a hit i mean everyone it's a classic. i mean i wait for that time of year just to hear that song right
2: iconic song yes.
0: absolutely hmm so That speaks for itself, but Daydream was called actually her best album to date, even with all the record sales that she got at that time and everything, and the lead single Fantasy was the first song to hit number one on a debut by a female artist at the time, and the second single, One Sweet Day with Boys to Men, broke the number one streak record at the time and was number one for 16 straight weeks. Mm -hmm. Chris might know this song. Stefan, do you remember this song? I didn't actually remember this song. I do not. No, I I cannot lie.
2: No. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I only know it because of that
1: record. Yes.
2: Like that was one of those. um, That's like, like that was what I was talking about. um, Up until Lil Nas X um, Despacito matched it um, at 16 weeks. But um, other than that, nothing had surpassed 16 weeks for almost 15 years um, until Old Town Road.
0: Yeah. And. Pretty impressive in its own right. So, boys to men were huge too. Obviously, um, great group. Um, so, breaking that number one record streak with sixteen straight weeks is is pretty impressive. And remember, back then yeah. there were no digital play, plays like things like that. Really, this was all radio at this time, essentially. Yeah. Um, and album sales too, of course. Um,
2: and 20, 25 years. My bad. I, which is even more impressive. Twenty five years that where that record stood.
0: Yes, and. That's, that's insane. So, she also was selling out places. She sold out the Tokyo Dome. All 150,000 tickets for her three shows sold out in under three hours, which also broke another record that the Rolling Stones had held beforehand. So, it sold out faster than the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones have been around for a long time, too, and are globally loved, so... Kind of crazy to think that she broke those type of records. She was international at this time. She was very big, actually, overseas and um, in Japan as well, too. She had a lot of great album sales and everything as well. So that's that three-year period. Next after that, 1997 to 2000, she had New Image and Independence at this time um, and also had the albums Butterfly, Rainbow as well. And then remember the man that I mentioned before, uh, Tommy Mottola? Well, they were married during this time, so they got married in 1993. So the man who found her basically got the record deal for her and everything. They got married and were married from 1993 to 1998 when they got divorced at this time. Uh, She now at this time had a sense of, quote unquote, independence and makes more music and has one more album to make with Sony. So she was basically locked up for another record and she made the album Rainbow. So she's celebrating her independence. She's actually getting out of her contract at this time too, which could be maybe telling with what the album was called, Rainbow. You know, you're on the other side of the rainbow that's going on. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But it was actually the lowest album sales to this point in her career. But she's free of this at this point. Another artist that comes to mind, um, well, I guess, too, didn't Taylor Swift do this to kind of get out of it recently of, of a contract? Um, I thought we were talking out there that air she... Exile might have been one, like a,
2: a, a... Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, well, I don't know that she re-recorded anything, but this is just her first um, since... Uh, the scooter. Yeah, gotcha. since, I can't remember, uh, Scott Borchetta of Big Machine sold um, her masters to Scooter gotcha.
1: on. And a lot of other artists will, if they want to run out a deal, just make a Greatest Hits album. Yeah. kind of similar.
0: That's true. Um, one that came to my mind, though, so I was off on the Taylor thing, but uh, actually Future did that. Um, I can't remember what it was, um, what album it was, but he basically released it out of nowhere, and then everyone's like, that's his last album uh, that he was tied to, actually, and then he got to do whatever he wanted. So um, it was one of those things. So she said... You know, I was married to this man. I'm done, and we're going to you know, part ways just in general. So she creates Rainbow. It doesn't seem to be as inspiring as her other stuff, but she's free of Columbia Records. Now we hit 2001 to 2004, and we're almost to We Belong Together, I promise, guys, uh, as well. There's just a lot to break down. Um, She then signs a $100 million contract with Virgin Records, which would be for five albums. That is unprecedented at the time. Um, that is a lot of money to give out. That's $20 million per album if you guys are doing the, the math at home. Um, and at this time then she's, re- it was recording the album Glitter. So she's recording everything. She's been going since basically 1988 at this time, right? Um, finally touring, doing all this stuff. Um, she, she has a weird moment, though, on TRL, so Total Request Live. Uh, Carson Daly is recording, or is doing this. Um, Basically, she came out, from what I read and what I saw, she came out and she was pushing a cart. She wasn't scheduled to be on. She was pushing a cart and she ends up strip-teasing, essentially, on Total Request Live. Um, And like it says, the show is live. So Carson Daly's like, what is going on? And everything is going on. She then... Afterwards, we'll post some cryptic messages online about being overworked, basically not being able to sleep, um, saying that she stays up late and she has all this pressure that's on her. And then a week later, after that, she is actually admitted to the hospital with extreme exhaustion. That's what they quoted it as. Reminds you of another artist uh, that we, you know, talk about on the oh, show for, a lot. Um, sure. A lot of artists, too, but it really reminds me a lot of like Kanye West uh, with things that were going on. And he gets admitted into the hospital, you know, um, at this time. So that's what it was credited as. After this, she actually is kind of, you know, put away from the public essentially. And she's not really, you know, out and about or doing anything, but she has an album coming out. So what happens? She has to postpone Glitter and essentially it flops at this time. So there's actually a soundtrack that was released too for this and it ended up being released on September 11th. Um, so on the day, September 11th, 2001, that is when it was released. Of course, as history shows, that was the day that the Twin Towers, uh, were, you know, essentially ran, they were ran into at that time. So not great timing, unfortunately, nothing you can avoid, but the album flops and she has having all this stuff going on and she's like, shit, what is going to happen? So after she gets this $100 million contract, um, virgin records actually ends up buying it out for 50 million dollars so they say hey you did this and we're gonna buy it out so she gets half of it which actually isn't bad uh in my I was gonna opinion say that i mean yeah that sounds like it's a deal but that's still 25 mil yeah so kind of crazy that she still got that so she takes some time and of course what do you do when you get some time you go to capri italy right why not of course. why not go there yeah so she goes to Capri, Italy, and ends up signing with Island Records. So they weren't quite part of Def Jam at the time, but she signs with Island Records for $24 million. So essentially, she makes $75 million still, right, off of it. She was going to make $100 million, She makes $75 million. Not too bad. Um, she released, releases Charm Bracelet, which is all one word, and critics think that she is sh- shot at this time, essentially, and that she is done singing. They're like, this does not sound good. Things are not looking good for our girl Mariah Carey at this point in time. But we finally get to the album that We Belong Together is on, and it is called The Emancipation of Mimi. Pretty good album for a uh, album title, in my opinion. Actually, um, oh yeah. So she's like, I'm ready to get back with, you know, what I was doing before. Essentially, um, almost 20 years later, actually. Um, from what she was at around this time. So she ends up working with the Neptunes, Kanye West, actually, and Jermaine Dupri um, on this record. And she's worked with Jermaine Jermaine Dupri in general. But she calls this her party record. So it was one that she said that you're putting on your makeup, you're getting ready to go out, and you're going to go and party. Um, So she has her confidence back. She needed a little time away. And it shows on the record. Critics generally liked it, and she gets back to the number one album status. And We Belong Together goes number one for 14 straight weeks, which made it the second longest consecutive number one at the time. So now she has number one and number two um, for this. So pretty awesome. And that was, you know, saying that she is back. So the single was called Career Redefining, and Billboard listed it as the song of the decade and as the ninth most popular song of all time, of all time, does that surprise you guys at all? Ninety second, seconds? No, ninth, the ninth, ninth most popular song of ninth. all time.
2: Yeah, it's it, it is by far the biggest song of the 2000s. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it was yeah, like Chris said, the biggest song in the 2000s. So ninety uh, second. I mean that that sounded a little low, but ninth sounds a little high
0: to me. Uh, Ninth, ninth. uh, so so, so listen of all time, somewhere in between those two of all time. So to put it in perspective, I have the list up for the top ten. I'll break it down, bro. I'll break it down. Unbreak my heart, Tony Braxton. We belong together, Mariah Carey. Hey Jude, The Beatles. Wow, you light up my life, Debbie Boone. Physical, Olivia Newton John. Physical. I don't know who Debbie Boone by is. Olivia Newton. But George. physical, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I love that that's a The there.
0: Macarena Bayside Boys Mix. <laughs> <laughs> How Do I Sorry. Live by Leanne Rhymes? <laughs> yeah. Mac it's the Knife by song. Bobby Darren.
2: As it should be. Mac the knife is a classic.
0: Smooth, Santana featuring Rob Thomas is number two. And the number one also song of all time for Billboard at this time was The Twist by Chubby Checker.
2: We belong together list. is
0: way out of place there, honestly. But the ninth most popular song no. of all time. <laughs> <laughs> those, those,
2: that is a fantastic list, and the fact that "We Belong Together," physical and the ultimate banger of all time, "Mac the Knife" is on that list, and "Smooth" for that matter. Jesus,
0: that's a that's an
2: actual banger. It's um,
0: that's crazy, but I mean, Billboard listed as that and. I mean,
2: these are numbers like this is this is just in terms of how Billboard defined a hit at the time. These were the biggest overall.
0: Yeah. So pretty crazy uh, at that, that that's the case. But it was named that. So another big thing for Mariah Carey, too, is that during the week of September 25th, 2005, she set yet another record. So she's been setting records her whole career up to this point. Um, She became the first female to occupy the first two spots to top the top 100 so we belong together was number one and her other single shake it off which was her next one moved into the number two spot so spoiler alert for our top 10 back then probably um on there sorry about that but i thought that was crazy too so she's breaking all kinds of records and chris said that even later she broke another record she got in four different decades that she was on there doing stuff so pretty crazy to think um She was still doing stuff as well, too. Um, But I want to actually break down just a second some of the Grammy noms that she got and things like that. She was up for eight Grammys at this, uh, for the Grammys for We Belong Together. It won two awards, actually. It won Best R&B Song and Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. It was up for Song of the Year as well, too, but it did not win. I didn't look up what it was um, that was with it, but I will do that right now. Um, But... What do you guys have to say about this before I get into some of her later life stuff, just in general, with what she has been doing?
2: I mean, it's just wild. Like, <laughs> you can't you can't really even... I, I don't think there's been anyone with that long of a streak of success in our, like, uh, adult lives in terms of pop music.
1: Yeah, and the fact that she broke all these records after having, like, a potential career derailment. Like you just mentioned, yeah. like uh, around 2000, 2001. Um, and then she comes back with this song that is number nine all time and mm-hmm. breaks records all over the board. Yeah, that's a, a huge stamp on I'm here to stay, bitches. I'm not going anywhere. It's like that uh, right. Jordan Belfort meme. <laughs> yeah, it's like,
0: I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She had some lows, too. And like you see it a lot with. Any type of artist, but pretty crazy. So um, here was the record of the year for that year, actually. I'll just break down that they were. It was great songs that were up for it. Um, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, We Belong Together, Feel Good Inc., um, Hollaback Girl, and Gold Digger were actually the ones. And then for... Fabulous. That was was for Record of the Year. And for Song of the Year, it was Sometimes You Can't Make Your Own by U2, Bless the Broken Road by Bobby Boyd, um, Rascal Flatts. bruce springsteen uh, ordinary people we belong together um on there too and then she won the other ones too so pretty crazy um yeah. but good record of the year list in my opinion uh as well much better than the song yeah. of the year yeah 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 really song of the year wasn't <laughs> good but record of the year was pretty crazy so um some of her later life stuff uh people you know will probably relate more with some of this type of stuff too uh she ends up marrying nick cannon they have some kids. They ended up getting divorced, actually, in 2016, too. Um, but they were together. Um, Mariah Carey also had some beefs with Eminem. The song Obsessed is actually about Eminem, too. Um, Classic. That is such a weird beef to me, really. But Eminem still brings it up to this day, I feel. He's being Eminem is an it.
2: odd duck. Yeah. Yeah, it's entirely
0: odd. It is weird. It is weird. She also was part of a TikTok meme recently. So, this I think Obsessed was uh, one of the TikTok meme uh, songs that was going on too when I looked it up. Um, she had a Vegas residency, which we've gone over. Like, Britney had a Vegas residency, a couple of these other people have too uh, that we've broken down. Um, one of the big ones, though, too, was the blunder at the New Year's Eve performance. We had mentioned that. Um, I remember being like, this is a mess. That was like crazy, like what happened. And Stefan alluded to like stage fright, things like that. That was just a mess and a half. Uh, Maybe we'll put it in the show notes just in general. But if you haven't seen it, I think that's maybe what she is known for more at this time uh, in her later career, too. Yeah, to be honest, like
1: I think uh, she has the reputation of being a diva. Mm -hmm. Um, Just being extra like and. You know, all these, like, low points in her career, you can point to that. I'm not trying to say she is, like, some pompous woman. I'm just saying, like, she's kind of earned the right to have this air of, like, superiority. Maybe she thought she was too good for that New Year's Eve performance, and the sound equipment wasn't good. I think that's what she ended up blaming it on. Like, she couldn't hear herself in the microphone or something. So she's just like, okay, if this equipment's not going to be great, I'm going to half-ass this, because I deserve the best. So... You know, that's car, That's part of her whole image. That's part of why a lot of people love her, because
0: she's a diva and she's earned the right to be. So when we think of, like, pop queens and stuff like that, we've broken down a few and talked about a lot, too. Why does, why do you think Mariah Carey doesn't get that type of stardom? She we, we talk about the numbers run themselves, right? But, you know, when she lines up with, like, Britney, Madonna, Christina Aguilera, even, in times, I feel like she is not at the front a lot of the time. Um, and it's weird after I did all this research on her to be like, why didn't she? And maybe it could be like a her performances were lackluster or anything like that. She wasn't doing the same type of music either, but like the numbers speak for themselves.
2: I have a theory and my theory is that it has a large amount to do with how many ballads she was known for. Um, ballads in general, I feel like are kind of a weird pop tradition with an asterisk almost like you don't get hype about ballads, like versus a Madonna where her entire, um, discog for the most part is just like bops, you know, or Brittany where, I mean, there's lucky obviously, but nothing was like one sweet day level ballad, mm-hmm. you know, like, I I think there's that um, as well as just she, her, her longevity kind of might actually work against her. That's what I was going to
1: say. Yeah. She's been around too long and just kind of faded into the background. Like we, we, there's not a, there's not a shortage of supply, you know?
2: Yeah. We might take her for granted a little bit, honestly.
1: Yeah. So is that what you were going to say basically then, Stefan? Yeah. And uh, I, I, You know, I didn't think about the valid thing, but I think Chris hit it on the head there. Totally valid. Um, You know, a lot of these, you have the princess of pop, Britney. She's known for, you know, bubblegum pop dance hits. And yeah, uh, yeah, Madonna was known for pushing the envelope and also making dance hits at the time. Uh, Mariah Carey kind of stands out. I, I would lump like Rihanna and Beyonce into this group, but even if by lumping them into this group, they're not really, they have ballads, yes, but most of their top 10 hits are not ballads like Mariah Carey's. Mm -hmm. So that's a great theory from Chris, in my opinion. I like that. That was something I didn't think about either.
0: Well, that is breakdown of the history and culture revolving around Mariah Carey. Let's get into some of the production notes. Chris, take it away.
2: Yeah, so... um, So, I, I mean... Brian, you kind of mentioned earlier uh, the production is definitely not what you come to from an instrumental level um, in terms of what makes this song special. Um, But I think it is a big part of what lays down a backdrop for her vocals, which are the obvious stand stand out. And it's also worth noting, Mariah is a co-producer on the song. Um, She worked uh, she worked closely with Jermaine Dupri. Uh, in the studio to the point that she was able to, um, you know, actually have input on the production, which, um, she had on a number of tracks on emancipation and Mimi, which is pretty impressive. Um, she, uh, she also co-wrote the song with, um, with Jermaine Dupree. Um, so LA Reed had kind of linked the two up. Jermaine Dupree's in his, probably the biggest phase of his career, um, in 2004, 2005. Um, he, he said, um, so he, basically he, she came to Atlanta, um, met up with him. He said, okay, um, we've got a few songs ready. Um, we've got shake it off and get your number. Um, we, we, uh, we've got, um, say something that was previously recorded and is going to be the First single, but we 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 kinda want to come back and see what else can um see what else we can come up with before we find put the finishing touches. Um and so we belong together along with It's Like That were the last two songs to be included on the album. Um she uh Mariah Mariah was quoted as saying, I had the chills. Uh I had a great feeling about the song when we finished writing it. I was flying back from Atlanta at some crazy hour of the morning, but we were listening to it on the plane ride on the way home, and even from the demo, I felt something very special. So, they ended up going with It's Like That, the other song that was the last recorded as the first uh, promo single. But, um, she always kind of refers to those two as her favorites from the album. Um, it's been on the set list since then, so that's a testament, but, um, I so I can see you can you can definitely see that this is a tailor made Mariah song, um, from the composition down. Um, so it is kind of a ballad. Um, it, it is a ballad in terms of composition. Um, it's kind of classic R and B with modern uh, hip hop drums, basically. Um, to a degree, the piano and um, and some of the other flourishes are hip-hop influenced, but the drums are the most classic hip-hop element. Um, So Jermaine Dupri is known for kind of 808s that are tuned more to a mid-level than a lot more of the modern uh, way that 808s are being used, but it's the classic uh, kick and hi-hat combo. Um, Interestingly, so what uh when i listen back to the song one of the things that really stands out to me is the um is the shaker that acts as kind of a, an open hi-hat um it's it's a very catchy beat it's a beat that um that really it gives the song kind of kind of a um a lurch almost the shaker kind of sounds like a breath which Adds to kind of the dramatic feeling um the clap that they use is really percussive um I'm a big fan of how just just how um just how direct it is kind of not even leaving room for a snare um i I think in general the the beat didn't need to be any more complex than it was because again the centerpiece are her vocals, and so her vocals are. Um, I mean, she's just going to town on this. Like, this is basically a Mariah, um, a Mariah vocal freestyle in a lot of ways. And she's got a, a massive range. I don't know the actual octaves, I but I have it. I think it's two. five
0: octaves, four or five. Yeah. There you go. I think it goes
1: from C3 to A5. Um, Probably. I, I, yeah. And then there's multiple octaves. See, so
2: um, she, yeah. I mean, just the fact that, um, that she's able to do some of the runs that she does in the chorus of this or and do so. So consistently is impressive in and of itself, but actually the way that she delivers the, the verses I think is pretty, is pretty fun, especially the second verse when she starts talking about what she hears on the radio. Um, and then she starts referencing Babyface and Bobby Womack um, and kind of does many interpolations, but you know, it's still very conversational. It's very honest. You almost feel like you're sitting there talking to her. She's having a conversation with you and just kind of, this is what I'm feeling. This is my, this is my memory of this, um, lost love. I think the chorus is a very, um, is a, is incredibly catchy, obviously, but it's very effective and, um, and gives great momentum it kind of the the post chorus the we belong together is it almost feels like it's about to bring you back to that first chord and then drops off um and you know it kind of swoops in until she um it it swoops in um before you before you feel like it's about to go anywhere else and you know pulls you back to that first chord again um so I do also really like um, (laughs) the so so I think this is just I think it's just an octave shift. To me, it doesn't sound like a key change, but there isn't a true verse, uh, true bridge um, in the latter part of the song. She just she just straight up starts singing higher and more forcefully. And you can just hear her getting more and more frustrated. And so there's a couple more instrumental flourishes underneath that. But again it's one of those telltale mariah mariah techniques she's she's completely pulling the emotion of the song ahead um i i think yeah it, you can't talk about the production of the song without mariah uh without talking about what mariah actually does i mean even from a compositional standpoint it's simple it's a, it's it's in mate it's in c major like straight up white keys um it's it it the only thing that really pulls this out of just kind of you know on paper simple is her voice but it it creates a lot of magic um yeah i i think that's kind of about all i have to say about it which is not to say that it's not impressive in its own right we you know once again, if you if you can make something that simple and that effective, that's really impressive in and of itself.
0: Keep it simple, stupid, right? And that's what they say with stuff. So it's facts. really good to keep it simple. But I just thought it was funny that Jermaine Dupri kind of worked on this with her because it just sounds like nothing that Jermaine, Jermaine Dupri would work on, essentially. But the other songs on the album do. But it was pretty cool that he had a hand in it and that she gets production credit on it, too. Didn't know that. All right, Stefan. let's break down some of these lyrics. Uh, they might be simple as well, too, but let's break them down and give your thoughts on what they offer.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, like I said, uh, I think the song is very simple, and like Chris just talked about, that's it's for two reasons. One, it's simple because it's a breakup song, and we want to make it relatable to everybody who's gone through a breakup. So this can be applicable to anybody who's... Uh, split from their lover and then has feelings about getting back together with them. That's pretty universal, right? Um, the second is to keep the highlight on Mariah Carey's vocals, which the pattern of the lyrics really kind of follow what she's doing with the delivery, and we'll get into that. So it's a, very, it's a breakup song, but you could break this up into a trilogy, and it's interesting, and I'll break that down. I did not know this until you know, actually looking at the lyrics. So the first verse, after we get the intro where she's oohing, ooh, okay, I won't do it. But the verse one, it's all in past tense. She is kind of explaining what happened that led to the breakup. I didn't mean it when I said I didn't love you. I should have held on tight. I never should have let you go. I didn't know nothing. I was stupid. I was foolish. I was lying to myself. I'm not going to go through everything, but the gist of that is she's blaming herself for this breakup. Um, And she thinks it's done. It's over. Because I didn't know you. Because I didn't know me. But I thought I knew everything I never felt. So, you know, you get... People like to talk about, uh, you need to know yourself before you love another. There's kind of that (laughs) reference. But basically, the gist of this is that she is blaming herself for this breakup. But now... That's the first part of the trilogy. We're going to go into the second part. When you go to the pre-chorus, we're switching to the present tense. So feelings of frustration build up. And you can kind of get this in the sense of her vocal delivery. The pre-chorus happens. That feeling that I'm feeling now that I don't hear your voice or have your touch and kiss your lips because I don't have a choice. Oh, what I would give to have you lying by my side. Right here, because baby. And here's a call and response. We belong together. Now, that's interesting because it's in the present tense. But the second reason why it's interesting is because her actual delivery kind of picks up almost not quite like a wrapping form, but a little bit faster. So we get a sense of urgency. Um, now she's kind of considering she wants to be back together. She's over the feeling like this is done. And in the past, it was my fault. Maybe there's a, a possibility that we could end up back together because we belong together. And now we get in the chorus, which you guys all know. It's a classic call and response, which makes it really earwormy. When you left, I lost a part of me, and then she goes together. And it this is much slower compared to that pre-chorus, where she's kind of speeding up, um, and that really sinks it into the listeners'
0: ears, if you will. It's very syncopated, like it's like mm-hmm. very like meticulous and syncopated on purpose. I feel because like you don't get that a lot even with you know a lot of like songs but this is like very like syncopated and like Mm bump 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 bump
1: yep she's sitting everything on the beat like you said um and it invites the the singer to sing along because when you're singing a breakup song you want to wail it out right and that's what this does it's still so hard to believe, come back, come back, you know, that call and response. It's it's really uh, hard to not sing along when you're crying in your car to this. So I won't go through the chorus, but I think it's constructed really beautifully for that reason. Um, and then verse two, Chris mentioned this. This is really interesting. We're still in that present tense, like I'm kind of getting frustrated that we're not back together but here she's going to tie back to not one, but two 1980s songs. So she really is really explicit with the songs she's mentioning. Bobby Womack's on the radio singing to me, If You Think You're Lonely Now, and she interpolates that part just as um, the 1981 Bobby Womack song, If You Think You're Lonely Now, does. And then the second 80s song is um, The Deal's Two Occasions, and that also had Babyface, and she directly mentions that she says, and then I hear baby face. I only think of you. Um, and that's from 1987. So if you think about Mariah Carey, she's young in the 1980s, these songs are impressionable. And we kind of talked about that, uh, 20 year nostalgia gap. A lot of people who were around her same age in the two thousands would have loved these songs. So the fact she just dropped two references in one verse that people eat that up. Um, So that's why maybe that really sunk into their ears as well.
0: So did we mention we mentioned Babyface on another episode, too, right? Mm -hmm. Who was do you remember what episode it was?
2: I feel like we did, but I can't remember which episode.
1: Was it the CeeLo episode? I
0: I don't know. I don't think so. No, but (laughs) not the first time we've mentioned Babyface in general.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So Bobby Womack and the deals along with Babyface, they all get co-writing credit because she directly interpolates them. So I thought that was interesting. They, they probably got some money from this. They deserve to. Mm-hmm. So that second verse, yeah, just a lot of drops of uh, 1980s, you know, love ballads and babyface. Now we go to our pre-chorus two, and uh, we're starting to uh, pick up the urgency. I'm feeling all out of my element, throwing things, crying. This song is just a crescendo of desperation. Now she's throwing things. That's not good. And she's trying to figure out where the hell I went wrong. We we got a, a curse.
2: We have all been and there.
1: Then she, we've all been there. And then uh, the next line is pretty interesting. The pain reflected in this song. I love that. She's self-referential. She's saying, I'm writing this song. Yeah, it's me, Mariah. I, nobody else wrote this. I did. So I, I love when people do that. And then we get another chorus, which you guys all know and love. I'm not going to sing it. I don't have Mariah Carey's vocal chops. But that leads us to the outro. And Chris really uh, mentioned this. This is not a bridge. This is just the last chorus. But what's different here is she goes up an octave. And how I mentioned earlier at the beginning how this song is written like a trilogy. First part is past tense. What did I do wrong? Second part is now I'm feeling like there's a chance we could get back together. And I'm frustrated about it. Here in this last chorus where she's screaming in an octave higher, it kind of gives you hope that maybe she's going to take action or go build on that frustration to go call the lover, hey, something could still work here. We belong together, damn it. So she's screaming here in the octave, G4 to A5, huge range. This is just all Mariah Carey. The songwriting is really simple, but this is why it's simple because they want you to focus on the notes she's able to hit, and it really drives home that third part of the trilogy, the desperation to get back together. It all culminates in that last line, oh baby, baby, we belong together, and she holds that note for a long-ass time. Uh, It's held as a coda, and it just drives home, and then you get the call and response, who else, who else, who else, who else, else? we belong together. And uh, I think this last outro chorus that's not a bridge it's a quasi bridge is what makes the song it's where the production it all like swarms together in this last heap of like we don't know if it's optimistic she's gonna do something but we don't know it's kind of a cliffhanger and we just get that last note where she's belting it out we belong together what's she gonna do about it we
0: don't know but we know she's gonna do something
1: and those are the lyrics
0: Yeah, when I was listening to this in the shower, like literally before this episode, I was like, one, how can anyone hit those notes? Uh, I sure as hell can't. Um, But how can someone hold it for that long? So Mariah Carey has a five octave vocal range and she shows off her chops, you know, in this. But yeah, it it does give you hope. I guess I never really thought about that. But in the end, it really does when you're like, you know, saying like we belong together and she's like belting and you're like, Mm -hmm. hey, maybe... Maybe it'll all work out, so
1: yeah the the music video is uh not that interesting, but um she's about to marry this old guy, and then there's a an ex- boyfriend who's much younger looking on while they're about to say her vows, and when this part happens, she runs away from the altar to go be with that younger <laughs> dude who is also in prison break, but that was before his big break in prison prison break the
0: prison break big break
1: that led to prison break that
0: break led to prison break wow full circle awesome well thank for the breakdown of those lyrics stefan um i didn't know that with the the tenses so that's really cool that you know that was something that is a trilogy basically within the lyrics and it's really cool Well, now that we have broken down the song in its entirety, we're going to do some segments. So I think the segment that we're going to go with today will obviously be the segment you all have grown to love. The Top Ten Back Then. The
1: Top Ten Back
0: Then. And with that singing by our own Ryan, The Top Ten Back Then is now going. So Chris, give us the date for The Top Ten Back Then and let's run through it.
2: Yes, yes. So we are heading back to a good year for music that we've uh, visited several times now. June 4th, 2005. So okay. um, we are going to see some familiar names here. Um, I'm just going to say that now. But I, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a pretty solid top 10. Um, and as a reminder, this is going to be the first of 14 consecutive weeks. For so the
0: first week of the 14th.
2: The first week, yeah. Okay. Um. So one thing I will note, um, as y'all mentioned earlier, uh, "Shake It Off" was at number two, um, during that period, but it had not charted at this time. So, so
0: no spoilers. No I spoilers. Spoil we are good. It. Suck it, Ryan. So I'm sorry, we, I
1: I jumped um, the gun.
2: We're uh. So we. Do not have that song, but we do have nine others that are great to talk about. Um, so, real quick before we get into um, get into that, I do want to mention that this is a week. Um, this is the week where "Feel Good" Inc. by Gorillaz rocketed up fifty-seven places um, after the release of its music video and radio uh, ads. Um, classic song. I'm a huge Gorillaz fan. It was really exciting to see that obviously Up that's record of the hit,
0: year this year too
2: as it should be um and also um a, a little song called listen to your heart by DHT debuted this week down <laughs> oh, at 87 great song uh, also a classic speaking of stereo love and just ridiculously european songs <laughs> i love that song. <laughs> it's another one it's a classic um so why don't we just get on into it with number 10? I want to say we've mentioned this one before. Uh Lonely No More by Rob Thomas.
0: Yes, this is the one that was like quasi like number 4 for like so many straight weeks, right?
2: Yeah. It um yeah, and it and it's on its way number down. Six. Yes. At this time, okay. um it was uh it was previously a little higher. Um but yeah, we It had just had 16 weeks up at the top of the chart. So, um, yeah, we, uh, I mean, not too much more to say about Rob Thomas. We mentioned he's on one of the biggest songs of all time. So that's pretty cool. Um, So one above that, we have a new entry to the top 10 um, and hitting its peak this week at number nine, Switch by Will Smith. What do y'all think about that song?
0: So Switch was one of those that I actually loved uh, when it came out um, when I was what twelve mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. I think it was on a Now CD if I don't, if I remember correctly. Um, looking back at it though, I don't think it's really that good of a song. I mean, it's <laughs> not, like a very middle school fun. gymnasium dance. song. Yeah, it's song,
2: definitely a middle like. school dance song, but it's fun. It is a fun song. Um. I, it's I mean, very clean. Yeah, it's extremely clean. I mean, it's literally clean. Like all of
0: his music. Yeah. But,
2: um, but Hey, Wild I, uh, Wild
0: West is good. Wild Wild West.
2: Yeah, no, I... Miami. I always liked, uh, I always liked that song. Um, I remember it's I had fun. an absurd it's, music it's, video.
0: It's, it's what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, top
0: 10 hit. Didn't know. Didn't know it was top 10 hit.
2: Yeah. I forgot about it until this moment. This now it's, it's bringing
1: me all this nostalgia. So thank you.
0: Yeah,
2: there you go. So, the purpose of
1: the top 10 back then. Yeah.
2: A little bit more nostalgia. Um, this is a this is a favorite of all of ours, I believe. Um, at number eight, uh, up ten spots as it just became a single. Um, Behind these hazel eyes by Kelly Clarkson, the one and only.
1: Oh man, Angsty. we should cover her one day. Angsty yeah. Kelly Clarkson.
2: Angsty, yeah, and this is nowhere near its peak. I want to say it actually hit number two. Um, it's it's on its way up though. Um, fantastic song.
1: I always thought it was like a Christian song because one of the lines, like, you won't have to see these Jesus Christ, um, Te- but it's not.
2: It's tears I cry. You won't have to that see these tears, tears I cry. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> now, I, now I won't be able to unhear that.
1: It um, sounds like it. Yeah, go go and take a listen. Classic
2: <laughs> Kelly talking about Jesus. um I uh, n- yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to process that. We'll t- I um, am too. <laughs> well, while we process that, let's go on to another Kelly song at number seven. That's right. It's since what? you've been gone.
1: Back to the back, a much, much bigger yeah,
2: hit. oh yeah, huge hit. But I mean, both were both were pretty strong in their own right, and especially given we kind of mentioned like. The um, the '90s nostalgia. This is the opposite of that. This is where there was a bit of '90s sound just hanging around up like for another five years into the 2000s. Um, I mean, I feel like both of those songs could have made it in the '90s era. I sure. I
0: think since you've been gone is a way better song. Yeah, I,
2: I would agree. I I really like both of them, but I would definitely agree. Since you've been gone is a borderline flawless song. So yeah, I mean that that is what it is. It's Kelly Clarkson. So in other news of people that we've talked about from this year, uh 50 Cent and the game, Hate It or Love It, is on its way yeah. down. Yes. Um it's uh it was previously as high as number two. Um the song is at number six this week. Um, but yeah, I mean we've talked about this one a little bit, but uh any any thoughts on uh Hate It or Love It?
0: Not the best song they've done together. I still think "How We Do" is the best song they've done together. Uh, personally, the beat is, is, fair. is insane and it's incredible. But this still is one of those that I think is a quintessential 50 Cent song. If I had to put it on a playlist of him, if you give me 25 songs, this would be on it.
2: I could see that. I could see that.
0: I, I I don't hate it or love it.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that that's fair. All I'll say about that.
2: The underdogs on top. I I do like the song. It's a it's got a really nice instrumental.
0: Mhm. Does good beat.
2: Yeah. And you know what else is a good beat? Don't funk with my heart. Hanging out <laughs> at number five this week. Wow. That's right.
1: In terms of P song, not the one you think of song. often,
2: but a good one. No. It's a good uh, lower, um, like not lower, but. One of the ones that doesn't get brought up a lot from their catalog.
0: Don't Funk With My Heart is, like, a very... It's a very, like, out-there song for the time, actually. Because, like, they slow it down and speed it back up. And it's, it's chaotic <laughs> yeah. and everything. And, like, I'm pretty sure, like, for, like they do, like, th- just crazy things with her voice. That you're like, what is what the hell is going on? But, like, yeah. it ends it's like up a, working somehow.
2: Yeah, it's like a... Um, it's like a more experimental pump it.
0: Yeah, that, that's actually pretty good much. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, in, in a lot of ways, like I love the cadence that they get um, that they get on that. Yeah. Don't Funk With My Heart, I'd say is definitely a for better or worse, a little forgotten Black Eyed Peas hit, but a pretty solid one um, of,
0: of their songs. Yes.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to put this next song in a similar spot in its artist discography. Obviously, 50 Cent has been all over these charts, and it's kind of hard to, you know, pick up and downs. But just a little bit kind of gets lost, in my opinion. (laughs) It's hanging out at number four this week, but not the one I think of very often.
0: What instrument is it? It sounds like almost a recorder in the background, but it's like, I don't know what it yeah. is. That, I don't know. This is like flute, part of that whole... Ham flute or Middle Eastern
2: yeah, vibe.
0: Yeah. And you're like, oh, know. what is that?
2: Yeah, it's, it always sounded like a snake charmer thing to me.
0: It did. Yeah, so like, I was like, I don't know what that is.
2: I, I have no idea. Actually, I'm going to Google that. Scott
0: Scott Storch production. Really? Okay.
2: We love Scott yeah. Storch. Um yeah, I mean Fifty Cent is definitely a victim of um oversaturation at this point, but this is a really good song. Um it was on a workout playlist recently that I heard. Um
1: It's great for that.
2: I, I love that um the on Wikipedia it says C D cover. The artwork for the C D cover shows fifty cent's modern adaptation of the rap squat that includes the prayer pose. Which <laughs> um which just links to the wikipedia article for squatting
1: just (laughs) general squatting yeah
2: not even yeah i was like what the hell why does that have its whole section and uh, like they say that like it's a known thing but just even they just said squatting anyway jesus so (laughs) so um (laughs) so the song um is uh yeah so it's produced by scott storage um no idea what that sample is but um actually i does it does say that several years later the game would go on to use the instrumental to diss 50 cent and the other members of g unit
0: oh beef! yeah uh, on
2: 300 bars and running so big beef big beef like portillo's exactly. so
0: so that's number four. That's, that's number please. four song, right?
2: That's number four. So okay. one above that is one that I honestly always forget, but really like is Oh by Sierra and Ludacris.
1: Oh, it's I'm got a really cool,
2: like clicky little instrumental. Um, I mean, I just love Sierra. Honestly, <laughs> like, like pretty um, much Sierra anything Sierra would be great does. Great
0: to do in the future. I agree oh yeah. never dun, mind i
1: know
2: this dun, song dun, dun, dun. yeah it's a it's a really this
0: fun song one. i think is very sexual right
2: uh no. maybe maybe, maybe not. i don't know it,
1: if it has sierra and Ludacris, i'm gonna guess yes yeah. uh-huh.
0: judging by that
2: yeah I, maybe this um, was
0: on a now cd this song I it think.
2: was yeah <laughs> it definitely was
0: uh, that's how I knew it like right when it came in th- that is like insane bass like synths that are going
2: mm-hmm. on in this song yeah I don't know what happened production wise but that one also could happen like 10 years from now yeah, <laughs> like, or I 10 years from this point like this could have been a mid 2010s hit yeah. Um, but yeah great song Um, so another song Another song that was on a now album, and another song that we've covered before, but is awesome. "Hollaback Girl" by Gwen Stefani is just coming down from number one.
0: Wow. Okay. So, number so two we went song, from "Hollaback, Hollaback
2: Girl" Work. to "We Belong Together" for fourteen weeks, which is kind of absurd <laughs> in terms of like Some sound
1: female
0: uh, domination at the top of the tar- charts.
2: True but so very yeah. different
0: songs too that extremely like, <laughs> very like that will go and replace each other
2: i mean it's funny how that happens sometimes like
1: and both uh had uh kind of career shifts because gwen stefani was putting the stamp on her solo career after no doubt with this song yeah and uh yeah we we discussed what mariah carey you know how she uh fell and rose from the ashes with we belong together
2: that's a good point yeah i guess this is this could be considered a bit of a maybe not a comeback but a reintroduction for gwen stefani
1: yeah rebranding
2: yeah she's uh yeah i mean and it's a it's a really good song <laughs> like it it's another one where it's like on paper it doesn't it shouldn't be as good as it is i guess but i i, I mean it goes off to this Shit day it is bananas it's bananas Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes I forget about that entire like <laughs> section of the song, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that whole. I whole, mean, that whole deal.
0: Basically, Gwen Stefani's like, I'm gonna do rap, even though I've kind of been doing rap somewhat through my career. But like, this was like her like yeah. stamp of like, I'm I'm it, bitches. Like that's that's what I think this. <laughs> that's what this song was. It was like her career stamping, like. Hey, I can make something that's gonna be long lasting because I mean they, yeah. this song still gets played and like is mm-hmm. one of those that is, is iconic in time.
2: Yeah. So Hollowback Girl was number one for I wanna say eight weeks. Um I'm gonna look this up real fast to make sure that's I didn't still
0: just a lie long time Entirely, really It was it was a while.
2: 05, actually I I it was either 05 or 04, but one of those years has the least yeah, okay, it is is 05. The least number of number ones in a year in the entire history of the Billboard charts—only eight—because all of them were really long. (laughs) Um, So, back Girl was oh shoot, it was actually four weeks. Oops. Yeah. Um. I mean, still, that's pretty good, you know. Um. But yeah, it was right after Candy Shop was ten weeks, and then Let Me Love You was ten weeks. Um And then right before, We Belong Together for 14 and Gold Digger for 10.
1: Holy shit. Yeah. I feel like 2005 has all the songs that, like, when people think about the 2000s, like, Since you yeah. have Been Gone, Gold Digger, The Cane Shop, We Belong Together, Back Girl. Those are all songs that, like, yeah. people point to when they try to uh, generalize the sounds of the decade.
2: It's always it's funny crazy. when something like that happens, too, in terms of, like, sound. Like... So I was searching, I was like trying to think of what it was. Cause we were talking about like, you go from how that girl to we belong together. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, that's a whiplash. Um, but, um, it reminded me of when, um, last year we had truth hurts and Heist in the room by Travis Scott were like, oh, yeah. like going back and forth on the, uh, the top of the charts for, it looks like it was eight weeks. Um, and it was like, you know, just. Massive high energy Massive self love Like Just straight up boastful Like Like Yeah Just Self empowerment And then it's like So what do we go to afterwards Alright we're going to Louis Capaldi For five weeks <laughs> And and then Lu- Lose you to love me Uh By Selena uh, Gomez It's That song went number one Yeah <laughs> Yeah I did Oh Oh
1: Jeez. Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, we well, just I, said, I learned something. We said today. ballads and ballads and ballads and then, and then heartless and all I want for Christmas is you because nothing says Christmas like the weekend and then Mariah Carey. I mean, Mariah Carey, yes.
0: Hey, the weekend likes some of the, you know, snowflakes if you get my drifts. He so does like the time. snow. <laughs> Bring your park We're <laughs> expecting
2: flurries. Precisely. Well, and that's the top 10 back then. Um, I I think we all love 2005. I mean, it's always one of it's the most year. fun years.
0: Great week, great year. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Even some of the other songs that we touched on just like, you know, before, we've done a couple maybe a couple 2005 songs too. We try to spread them out, but we so. just really take them where we can get them essentially, but Yeah. Yeah, another great top 10 back then. Well, that will wrap it up again for another episode of Over My Head, a look back at Pops Past, presented to you by the Los Lovely Boys. Like we said, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you rate us, it helps us uh, to get more listeners. We get to the top of the charts, everything like that, too. It helps out everyone. If you want to add your input on this song, want to suggest songs for us to look into, or want to give us feedback, You can either email us at LLC at gmail.com or you can go follow us on social media and bug us on there. We would love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear what songs you'd like us to hear next. um, We will probably not do another Atlanta song for a while. We were running on doing that, but I think we got some ideas. But please give us any ideas that you have as well. But for my co-host, Chris and Stefan, hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one. We'll see you next time.